الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا مولانا رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن والاه اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد الفاتح لما أغلق والخاتم لما سبق ناصر الحق بالحق والهادي إلى صراتك المستقيم وعلى آله حق قدره ومقداره العظيم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته On behalf of the uh, Hamim Foundation UK I would like to welcome all of you uh, to our Aqidah Asanusiya class and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it makes uh, this class beneficial for all of us and a means of uh, strengthening our Iman and our Islam and a means of salvation for us in the dunya and the akhirah Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen so Amma uh, Ba'ad Inshallah, uh, before I uh, enter into the actual text, I always like to do uh, an introduction. So tonight's session will be an introduction to the science of Aqidah itself. Now, to understand the science of Aqidah, we need to go to a very famous hadith that we are, most of us at least, are aware of. And that is uh, the hadith that is known as Hadith Jibril. Hadith Jibril. So let us read that hadith, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. An Umar ibn al-Khattabi radiyallahu ta'ala, Imam al-Bukhari narrates that uh, from Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu an, al-Faruq radiyallahu an, that he says that we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, a man walked in the masjid. And the Sahaba, it was their habit to... Uh, sit with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after the prayers, uh, sit in his blessed company in the masjid. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's masjid was very simple. It didn't have any carpets in it. Uh, you didn't, didn't have any fans and windows and anything like that. It was just sand. And the front part of the masjid had like a roof. Uh, and the rest of the masjid uh, was without a roof as well. It was like an open uh, uh, yard. So uh, they were sitting, they used to sit with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, they used to sit around him in a halaqa and they used to sit around him with uh, great adab. Uh, such adab that the Sahaba describe it as ala tayr. They say, uh, we will sit around the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, as if there were uh, birds on our heads. As if there were birds uh, sitting on our heads. And, you know, we don't want the birds to fly away. So uh, we would sit like, we would be frozen, basically, in his company. And we would be quiet. And none of us would look up to him, uh, except Abu Bakr and Umar. Except Abu Bakr and Umar. Uh, he, he, they would say that they would look up to him and smile and uh, in, the, in that state of Iman uh, that they are experiencing and he would look back at them and smile. So it was really a, a company of blessing and rahmah and adab and, and, and serenity. So in, in this gathering of the Prophet wasallam, this is how they used to sit and most of the time there wouldn't be much talking as well. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, the Sahaba say he, he would speak little. 
uh, most of the benefit in in that majlis would be from the Prophet sallallahu company, or, or as the Sufis say in Anfasihi, from his breaths, uh, or as the same in Nazari Lawaji Sharif, or, or just by looking at his blessed face, they wouldn't like um, meet their eyes with his eyes out of his haiba uh, in awe of him, but they would look at his face, his countenance, sallallahu uh, and just the rahmah and the barakah that descends on a majlis like that, on a sitting like that, that alone is enough to increase your iman and uh, bless you uh, both spiritually and physically, even physically. Uh, as long as you sit with an open heart, of course. I mean, there were people, there were munafiqeen, there were sometimes, there will be a hood. But these are people who, you know... Uh, their hearts are closed, so they're not opening their hands. Somebody's giving out something, but if you close your hands, you're not going to get anything. So Sayyidina Umar says that we were sitting in the majlis of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would usually sit in the posture of Salah, by the way. He would sit in the posture of Salah. Uh, the way we uh, sit in, in prayer, the Jalsa. Uh, when we read our tashahud, uh, that's how the Prophet would sit most of the time. And in the last years of his life, uh, he wouldn't lean on anything as well. Before that, he would lean sometimes, but most in the last years of his life, he wouldn't even lean on anything. And he would say that this is the sitting of a slave, and I am a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, you know, I am just a slave of Allah. So look at the adab uh, that the Prophet ﷺ used to sit with. Uh, today, I mean, when do, we, when do we sit like that? Besides our prayer, besides our salah, uh, when do we sit in, in that posture? We don't. Uh, we want to sit in comfort. We sit, we sit in, in luxury. Uh, but uh, that is the sitting of uh, the awliya. And if you notice... Many of the pictures of the awliya Allah uh, uh, and the uh, salihin, uh, uh, then Allah Muhammad, uh, you find them sitting in that posture. So uh, anyways, uh, that's the posture of adab because we sit like that in our prayer because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe we are in, in the presence of Allah at that time. And that we are in the presence of Allah at that time. But unfortunately, we believe that when we finish our salah, our prayer, we are out, we are out of Allah's presence. Uh, the Prophet وسلم, on the other hand, is a complete arif. He is in Allah's presence all the time. Uh, he knows that he is in Allah's presence all the time. And therefore, he will be sitting like that most of the time. Uh, that's why uh, the adab of the arif is not only in the masjid, uh, everywhere. Uh, they were awliya Allah, they, uh, one of them. It is narrated that he said that he had not stretched his legs, stretched his legs in any gathering, in any sitting for 40 years. Because he says that I'm ashamed to stretch my legs in the presence of Allah. And that's in any gathering. And today we find people sitting in the masjid and they stretch their legs out like that and in, in, in the direction of the qibla. So one person is praying in that direction, putting his head in that direction, and the other one is stretching his legs in that direction. It's like there is complete blindness to Allah. People don't realize that they are sitting in front of Allah. They are in Allah's house. And how do you stretch your feet in Allah's direction? 
yeah, you know, in Allah's presence. So Allah uh, said, Muhammad, uh, these are all issues of consciousness. Sayyidina Umar says, uh, we were sitting with the Prophet وسلم, in the masjid and a, a man walked in and this man, Sayyidina Umar says, <coughs> was Shadidu Bayad of Siyab, Shadidu Sawadi Sha'ar, that his clothes were shining white. His clothes were shining white while his, uh, his hair was shining black. Uh, his hair was very black and uh, his clothes were very white. And there was no sign of traveling on him. You know, there was no dust and sweat and any sign of travel on him. Uh, and none of us know him. In other words, this was a very weird uh, sight because Medina was a small place and everybody knew everybody in Medina. So if somebody is coming in the masjid, you know the person. If you don't know his name, but you've seen him before, you've at least seen him. Uh, or if you didn't see him, somebody else saw him. But here comes a person, say, normal says, none of us recognized him. And everybody's staring at him like, who's this person? Now the possibility is that maybe he's a traveler. He just rode into town now. But the problem is, he doesn't look like a traveler either. He's got no sign of travel on him. His clothes are not creased. Uh, his beard is not uh, dusty. There's no sign of travel on him. Uh, and his clothes are white, shining, clean. His hair is black. There's no sign of travel on him. So Sayyid Omar says, like, we were really, really surprised at this sight. Uh, nevertheless, the man comes in the masjid. <clears throat> he sits in front of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Sayyidina Umar says that he sits. Uh, he he sits in the posture of the salah. The Prophet sallallahu is sitting in the same posture, and he sits in the same posture of the prayer. And he sits with his knees, kind of like touching the knees of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He sits very close to him, right in front of him, facing him, face to face. And then he puts his hands on the thighs of the Prophet ﷺ. He puts his hands on the Prophet's thighs. And then he uh, speaks to the Prophet ﷺ. And... What's interesting is, Sayyid Omar said that he's looking into the Prophet's eyes, the Prophet is looking into him, and uh, although he's very strange to all of us, uh, he doesn't seem strange to the Prophet It's as if the Prophet know, knows him for a long time, and he knows the Prophet but none of us know who, who he is. Uh, so he uh, then asks the Prophet loudly and audibly, everybody can hear, أخبرني عن الإسلام وما الإسلام What is Islam O Muhammad So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa says Islam Al-Islam Shahadatu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah wa iqam al-salah iqam al-salah wa ita'i al-zakah wa sawmu ramadan hajju al-bayt li man istata'a ilayhi sabila Islam is to testify to say that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah 
and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, to establish the salah, to establish the zakah, to give the zakah, to fast in Ramadan, and to go for Hajj for those who have the capability. So the man, Sayyidina Umar says, the man answers and says, says, Sadaqta, Ya Muhammad, that you are right, O Muhammad. You are right. Correct, correct answer. So Fata'ajabna min zalik. Sayyidina Umar says, uh, we were then like shocked or surprised at this answer by that man. Yas'aluhu summa yusaddiquhu that he asks the Prophet ﷺ a question. He inquires something from him. And when he gets the answer, he corrects the answer and says, uh, he verifies the answer and says, you're right. I mean, this doesn't make sense. It's like you ask your teacher, uh, what's the capital, uh, you know, of, of Saudi Arabia? And the teacher says, Riyadh. And then you say to the teacher, that's right. It's like you are, like, who's the teacher here? Uh, so, uh, Sayyidina Omar says, we are surprised that he confirms what the Prophet Sallallahu says. I mean, who is he? He just came from somewhere outside. Nevertheless, they do not interfere between the Prophet Sallallahu and his guest. Then he says to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَمَا iman, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ iman." Uh, tell me about Iman, O Muhammad. So, Allahumma uh, salli ala uh, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Al-Iman, an tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhiri wal qadri khayrihi wa sharrih. He says, Iman, faith, faith is to believe in Allah Believe in his angels, believe in his books, believe in his prophets, believe in the last day, and believe in destiny, Al-Qadr, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's predestination, khayrihi wa shari, the good and the bad, that it is all uh, predestined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, the man looks at the Prophet and says, Sadaqta. said, you are uh, right, Ya, ya Muhammad. Sayyidina Umar says, again, we are surprised that he should be correcting the Prophet's answer uh, or, or confirming the answer. And then he says, ihsan." So inform me about Ihsan. Ihsan means perfection. Ihsan you know, to perfect something. Ahsana Khalqah, as Allah said, I created everything for Ahsana Khalqah and I created it perfectly. So, Ahsan is perfection. So, the Prophet says, Al-Ahsan wa ta'abudu Allah ka'annaka tarah, fa'in lam takun tarah, fa'innahu yarak. Perfection then, Ahsan, is to worship Allah as if you see him in front of you. And if you don't see him, then know that he is seeing you. Then he is seeing you. And then 
he says and tell me about the day of judgment and the prophet says the one being asked knows no more than the one that's asking meaning the exact time of the day of judgment uh, and then he says uh, tell me on some of tell me about some of its signs and the prophet mentions some of the signs of uh, the day of judgment and the two signs he mentions are that uh, a woman will give birth to her own master and uh, and the scholars have like uh, discussed what what exactly does that mean uh, uh, some scholars said it refers to the amount of uh, you know concubine age you know that a lot of kings and princes will be born and their mothers uh, w- would have been the slaves of their fathers so you are a king but your mother was a slave so you become a master and your mother was a slave. So a woman will give birth to her own master. Some scholars interpreted it like that because when Islam spread in other parts of the world in the first early centuries, there were a lot of slaves. And, uh, you know, uh, there were a lot of marriages with these slaves and concubines. And a lot of the children that came out became kings and stuff. But their mothers were slaves, uh, which was something very strange. Uh, but it happened a lot. So some scholars are referring to that. Others say that, uh, no, it's not referring to that. Uh, it's referring to the to what it really means, that a woman will give birth to her own boss, meaning that before, before Qiyamah, the children are going to be so disobedient and so arrogant that they will be bossing their mothers. Children will be ordering around their mothers and fathers. You know, usually mothers and fathers order around the children. But before the day of judgment, children will order around their mothers and fathers. So a woman will give birth to her her own master. Usually your son is your servant. Your daughter is your servant. You know, they, they serve you. But in the last days, uh, you will become their servant. You will give birth to your own master. And perhaps uh, some of it is what we see in our times. Uh, the other sign the Prophet ﷺ mentioned is that that uh, uh, the, the Arabs of the desert, Bedouins of the desert, uh, who are half naked and, and barefooted, they don't even wear sandals, they walk bare feet in the desert, uh, they don't even have full clothes, you know, they just put on one thing. The, the, the half-naked, barefooted desert Arabs, Ru'at al-Ghanam, the ones who look after sheep or camels, yatasabakuna fil bunyan. They will be competing with each other in building lofty buildings. They will compete with each other in making big, big buildings. I mean, these are people who barely had a tent. That's it. You know, they didn't have anything more than a tent. It didn't go higher than that. But these they didn't even build houses. Uh, and they will be competing. Before Qiyamah, these same Arabs of the desert, they're going to compete with each other in building massive buildings. And that's a sign of Qiyamah that uh, we've already seen in our times. That's what we've seen already. It's happened already. So if you go to Saudi Arabia today, you go to Dubai you know, you go to all these Kuwait and, you know, Qatar and 
and Bahrain and all these. These were these people like 50 years ago. They were still living in tents and then riding around on camels and walking barefoot in the desert. And their grandfathers, 50 or 60 years ago, they were still living the Bedouin life. And uh, now, with the preponderance of the petrol, uh, petroleum, you know, petrodollars and stuff, uh, you see how they are literally competing with each other in making these massive buildings. You know, um, the one prince makes it and then the other one from the other country says, we're going to make one bigger than that. So Dubai makes this big one and building and then Riyadh says, oh, we're going to make it higher than that. And then Qatar says, oh, we're going to make it higher than them. And, and this is literally like happening. And the Prophet said, the Arabs of the desert uh, are going to compete with each other in making these buildings. Anyways, uh, after that, Sayyidina Umar says, uh, that was the last thing the man asked. He asked four questions. The last one was about the Day of Judgment. And he got up and he left. And we never saw him again. So the Prophet ﷺ, you know, obviously he saw that everybody is like very surprised at this whole thing. Everybody wants to know what was this, this whole conversation was so weird. This man was weird. The questions he's asking, the answers, you know, he's giving back. So uh, he didn't like take kalima or anything. He just said, yes, right, right, right. And he left. So the Prophet ﷺ saw, looked at the Sahaba and he said to them, Atadruna man kana haza? Do you know who that man was? So the Sahaba, they all nodded and said, Allahu wa Rasulhu alam. Allah and his Prophet know best. Allah and his Prophet know best. So he replied, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to them, he said to them, وَذَلِكَ كَانَ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ جَاءَ لِيُعَلِّمَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ he says that was Jibreel alayhi salam. Jibreel alayhi salam, the archangel. He came to teach you your deen. Ja'a, he came to teach you. Yu'allimakum, not teach me. Huh? Don't think he was teaching me anything. Ja'a liyu'allimakum. This whole conversation happened for you guys. Ja'a liyu'allimakum. He came to teach you. Deenakum, your deen. In other words, this whole thing that happened, this episode that happened in front of you now, uh, this weird meeting, this was all to teach you your deen. Uh, it was not for me. It was not for the man also. Jibril wasn't learning anything. He knew the answers already. I knew the answers already. This was to, to teach you your deen. So this hadith, uh, it's called Hadith of Jibreel because of Jibreel salam being the main uh, personality in it. Uh, so it's called Hadith Jibreel. And what's uh, very, uh, it's a very serious hadith. Every Muslim should know it. And unfortunately, many don't. Uh, what's amazing about this hadith is, uh, uh, important about this hadith is that in this hadith, the Prophet says he came to teach you your deen. In other words, the entire deen is encompassed in this hadith. The whole Islam, the whole deen is in this hadith. So what is then uh, in this hadith? What is the whole deen here? We see that it's divided into three parts. Islam, Iman, Ihsan. Right? Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. After that is the signs of the day of judgment, which is basically if you 
perfect your Islam and Iman and Ihsan, then you have to just prepare for the day of judgment and watch out for the signs of the day of judgment. So the, the deen then is divided by the scholars based on this hadith into three categories, three levels, not even categories, levels, Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. So our deen then is Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. And these are the three terms that are used by Jibreel alayhi salam, by the Prophet sallallahu And the Sahaba, you know, although they learned all of that already from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they knew about Salah and Sa'um and Hajjan. They knew about believing in Allah and his prophets and angels. They knew these things. But uh, it was as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to confirm the deen in front of them through Jibreel himself. So the Sahaba can't say that, well, you know, the prophets used to speak to Jibreel, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but we never saw Jibreel. No, on that day, they all saw Jibreel, alayhi salam. They cannot say that the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, used to secretly meet Jibreel, and we never knew what happened between them. On that day, they all saw it. So, khalas, it, it's, you know, after that, I mean, there's nothing left now. It's not to see Allah himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, they saw Jibreel confirm the deen with the Prophet ﷺ for their sake. So the deen is Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. Now, these three levels, uh, if you look at them, <clears throat> I'm talking about them because Aqidah is one of those levels. Uh, so that we can place what we're going to study, uh, we, can, we can locate it and, and, and put it and place it in the right place it needs to be. There's no point studying Aqidah and let's read uh, Aqidah Sanusiya and Aqidah Tahawiyah, but we don't know where to place it. We don't know where it fits in, in the hierarchy of knowledge, in the hierarchy of this deen. Right? And that's very important to understand the hierarchy, to understand the sequence. Uh, so that then when we, when we study the Aqidah, then there's much more appreciation for it. There's much more appreciation for it. And we understand exactly where this fits in. Uh, so Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. Islam, the level that's called Islam. Now the deen is this. I mean, today, the whole of the deen is because deen of Islam, the deen of Islam. Because it starts with Islam. But Islam is the first level of the deen. Then there is Iman, then there is Ihsan. And, uh, you know, we can spend our whole life perfecting these, these three uh, we should be uh, perfecting these three levels of the deen. Uh, there's a nice anecdote that uh, a man came one day to the great uh, Senegalese uh, Sufi saint, uh, Sheikh Ahmadu Bamba, radiallahu an, Sheikh al-Khadim. This guy came to him and said, Ya Sheikh, uh, could you give, teach me the Musallas al-Ghazali? Musallas al-Ghazali means the, the triangle of Imam Ghazali. This is a, a, an occult prayer. It's a, it's a diagram, a triangle, but it's got certain numbers and names and, and stuff in it. And uh, it's basically, uh, you know, like a, what we call a ta'weez, you know, or a prayer for protection. Uh, but obviously, it's a very complicated one and you need ijazah in it. So it's called Musallas. Uh, Musallas is triangle from three. Three angles, right? Three angles is triangle, musallas in Arabic. 
The point being, the man said to Shaykh Ahmed Ubamba radiallahu an that, uh, can you give me ijazah in Musallas al-Ghazali? So Shaykh Ahmed Ubamba, Khadim Rasul radiallahu an, he looked at that man, he said, you want the Musallas? You want the triangle, the, the three, you know, the three dimensional thing? He said, yes, please. He said, عَلَيْكَ بِالْإِسْلَامِ وَالْإِيمَانِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ فَفِي ذَلِكَ كُلَّ الْأَسْرَارِ وَالْبَرَكَاتِ وَالْخَيْرَاتِ He said, then focus on your Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. In those three are all the secrets and all the blessings and all the goodness. You want the triangle, you know, the triangle you need is Islam, Iman, Ihsan. He said, this triangle has all the blessings and all the secrets in it. Leave that one uh, that, that you're looking for, you know, the paper and the drawing and all that. Leave that. The triangle, which has all the blessings in it, is Islam, Iman, Ihsan. So Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad, uh, Imam Al-Nawawi speaks about that in his book called Al-Maqasid, where he speaks about the three levels of the deen as well. Uh, Shaykh Usman, uh, Dan Fodio, Usman bin Fodi of Nigeria also speaks about it. Maulana Shaykh Al-Islam, Shaykh Ibrahim Niyas, the book called Maqamat al-Deen al-Salas, the three levels of the deen. So uh, where does Aqidah fit in here? The first level is Islam, which is the, related to the physical uh, body testifying that La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah, that's a physical act. You do it with your mouth, uh, with your tongue. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. If you say it, khalas, you are a Muslim. Whether you meant it, you didn't mean it, you really believed in it, you didn't believe in it, in your, I don't know, we don't know that. But if somebody says the kalima, like the Prophet used to say to the Sahaba, if anybody proclaims the kalima, then their blood and their lives and their property is haram on us. Because at that time they were at war with the kuffar. So he said, if any of them proclaims the kalima, khalas, they are considered Muslim. So it's a physical act. Iqamul salah is a physical act of the body. You pray with your body. Whether your heart is present or not, that's a different matter. But your body prays. Uh, zakah, you give it with your hand, right? Uh, saum, it's a physical act. You, 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 you stop your, your hands from eating, your mouth from eating or drinking anything, and then you break it as well with your hands. You put something in your mouth. It's a physical exercise. Hajj, physical exercise. You go to Makkah, you make tawaf, you, you run between the Safa and the Marwa, you stand in Arab. It's a physical thing. So these five physical sha'air. These five physical uh, rituals, they make you a Muslim, outwardly speaking. If somebody prays and fasts and gives a kind of, I need a Muslim, uh, we cannot judge his iman and, and, and question him and so on. That's what makes somebody a Muslim. But is that enough? No, that's the first level of the deen, which is Islam. But the second level is iman, which is faith. Faith. And this level is connected to our consciousness, to our mind, which is to believe. Iman means to believe. Now, it's not only about uh, just outwardly saying there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. It is now to believe with your heart in that as well. It is to believe in your heart as well. You need to believe also in your heart that there is no Rabb but Allah. And Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi is indeed the messenger of Allah. So the level of Iman, this is what the understanding of this level, this is what became known as the science of Aqidah later on. But I'm going to touch on that again 
but to continue with, with the levels. And then is the third level, which is Ihsan, perfection. And this is the level of your soul. Your soul, when you perfect your outward Islam, body-wise, you, you do what you're supposed to do, uh, your heart, you, and you believe in Allah, now your entire being is now to turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and witness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his manifestation, his presence in this wujud, uh, that is the level of ihsan, which is perfection, because it is the highest level. And that's why very few people reach that level. It is those who reach that level, they are the ones who we call awliya Allah, uh, arifin billah, uh, ahlullah, the people of Allah, because they are now at that level where outwardly their body is submitting to Allah, inwardly their heart is believing in Allah, and their entire being is now focused on Allah. Uh, sometimes people get confused about the last two levels, Iman and Ihsan, and they uh, wonder what's the difference between the two. There is a difference. Uh, the, the, the Iman is to believe in Allah, but it doesn't mean you are experiencing Allah. It's like you believe that there is a, a city called Makkah, you completely believe it. You don't have a doubt that the city of Makkah exists, but you haven't seen it. You haven't been there. You haven't experienced Makkah. <clears throat> so uh, the first level of Islam is when you, okay, you say you, you say you believe in Makkah, but in your heart, you, you're not really sure if it, it really exists or not. But you say it with your mouth, I believe in Makkah. Iman is the level where you believe in your heart as well, that Definitely, Makkah exists. You know, there is a place called Makkah. I completely believe that. And Ihsan is the level where you are actually in Makkah. You are in Makkah. If somebody is standing in Makkah, you cannot tell them to believe in Makkah because they're like, I'm already in Makkah. I don't need to believe in Makkah. I'm in Makkah. That is Ihsan. That's the highest level. And obviously, to arrive at that level requires a lot of suluk, a lot of uh, killing of the nafs and, and, and fighting your desires and all these, uh, you know, uh, as zikr of Allah and uh, detachment from the dunya, uh, spiritual detachment. But be that as it may, uh, these three levels of Islam, and I'm not covering all three levels in, 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 this, in, in this course. We're only going to focus on one of these levels. Uh, Islam, Iman, and Ihsan, these are the three levels. Now, the scholars of Islam throughout the centuries, they then developed the science, the sciences of explaining and understanding and elaborating on all three of these levels. So the science that focused on the level called Islam, which are the, physic, the physical rituals of our deen, the science that focused on those physical rituals and their modalities, their rulings, uh, everything about them, uh, that science became known as the science of fiqh. The science of fiqh, you know, fiqh. So that, the science of fiqh, that focuses on all the outward rituals of Islam. So how do you perform your salah, your namaz, your prayer? For that, you need to go to the book of fiqh. You're not going to find that in, in Aqidah books. Even if you get buy the, the biggest Aqidah book going into like 10 volumes, you're not going to find that how to pray. Right? Uh, 
so that you're going to find in fiqh. How do you fast? What are the rulings, uh, rules of fasting in fiqh books? What are the rules of the hajj in fiqh books? The rules of zakah in the fiqh books? Nikah, talaq, all of these things, the outward rituals of Islam, hayyid and nifas and jihad, it's all in the fiqh books. So the signs that developed as a result of studying and understanding and elaborating on the outward rituals of Islam, the sign, which is Islam, the level called Islam, that became fiqh. And of course, I mean, in fiqh, we have many mazhabs, you know, you have Hanafi fiqh and Shafi'i fiqh and Maliki and Hanbali. And, and then, you know, even outside of Ahl-Sunnah, you have Ja'fari and Zaidi and so many different and fiqh, and, you know, and, and scholars differed on things and they had different opinions on masalas. And although 80% is the same, but, you know, there's issues on which they differed on and so on. So that's the science of fiqh. And every Muslim, it is far on every Muslim to study fiqh. Every Muslim has to study fiqh, not become a mufti necessarily, uh, which is the highest level, you know, in fiqh. Uh, but you have to study fiqh. If you are a Hanafi, then study Hanafi fiqh. If you are a Shafi'i, study Shafi'i fiqh. If you are a Maliki, study Maliki. Whatever you are, whatever mazhab you are, uh, or that your background that you come from, that you, in your community or your parents or your masjid, study fiqh. Know your deen, know what's halal, know haram, know how to perform your salah properly, know how to, uh, what's, you know, your, your prayers, your fasts, your hajj. So it's very important for us to learn fiqh. Now, that's fiqh. Uh, naam. The second, uh, uh, now, uh, I, I wanna, uh, the, the second level is iman. And that is, the, the level we're going to be busy with. Uh, Iman, as Jibreel asked the Prophet Mal Iman, what is Iman? Tell me about Iman, faith, belief. The Prophet said to believe in Allah, his angels, uh, the books, the prophets, the last day, the destination, you know, predestiny, faith, the good and the bad. Now, the science that developed out of this, uh, this level of our deen, this uh, element of our deen uh, became known as the science of aqidah. The science of aqidah, what should be the belief of a Muslim? What should a Muslim believe in? Not what should a Muslim do. Fiqh is about what you should do. Aqidah is about what you should believe in. And ihsan is about how you should be. It's a sign, uh, it's a state. Ihsan is not a statement, it's a state. So this became the science of Aqidah. Now, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but uh, the third level then is Ihsan. The science uh, that developed out of Ihsan and uh, under the banner of Ihsan and to perfect Ihsan and to achieve Ihsan, that became known as the science of Tasawwuf. The science of Tasawwuf or in English, they call it Sufism. Sufism, The science of suluk and tazkiyah, the science of traveling to Allah, wayfaring to Allah, suluk and tazkiyah, the science of purification of the self. But you cannot find Allah, you cannot see Allah, witness Allah, uh, shuhud and muraqaba, unless you purify your, your nafs. You know, you cannot have hate and jealousy and malice and desires in your heart, all kinds of evil things in your heart and, and at the same time you want to witness Allah. You can't do that. Your heart has to be clean before Allah can enter there. 
the, before the, the, the presence of Allah is felt there. So tazkiyah, to purify yourself, Allah says successful are those who purify themselves. So it's a Quranic term. That science of Ihsan, the goal being Ihsan, to reach the level of perfection, which is anta'bud Allah, as Jibreel said to the Prophet Allah to worship Allah as if you see him. As if you see him. That is the science of Ihsan, uh, which became known as the science of Sufism or Tasawwuf. Because uh, the people who uh, uh, focused on that science and the people who, uh, uh, you know, went deep into it, practiced it, lived it, uh, were the Sufis. And what is Tasawwuf, by the way? Where does that word come from? It is from Safa, which means purity. When you say Safai, you know, to purify, to clean. Uh, Safa means, in Arabic, it means purity and cleanliness. So, uh, Sufi, the word Sufi, means, uh, it, it, it means a purified person. A purified person. So when you say this man has been purified, you say Sufi. Right? He's been purified. Safa for Sufia. You know, so uh, for Sufi. That, you know, he was purified. He went to purification, Tasfiya and Safa, and therefore Sufi. He was purified. So Sufi means a purified person. Literally speaking, Sufi means a purified. Today, obviously, we think Sufi means somebody who wears a green turban and carries a long tasbih in his hand and makes zikr and la ilaha illallah. And, uh, these are you know, the elements that are associated with Sufism. But the, literally, the word Sufi is simply somebody that's purified. Purified from all filth and evil. And that's why if a person has all the memorabilia of a Sufi, you know, they've got the, the tasbih and the turban and the jubba and the zikr and all of these things but if they are not pure in their hearts if they're not a purified soul they're not a sufi that's not a sufi you know that's just claim that's somebody making a claim on the other hand you could have a person who has no outward appearance of a sufi at all he's wearing a jeans and a t-shirt uh, but he's got a completely pure heart he's a sufi and wallahi we've seen people like that we've seen people like that you know uh, so that became the science of Sufism. And therefore, uh, then the three levels of our deen, Islam, Iman, Ihsan, were elaborated upon in the science of fiqh and aqidah and tasawwuf. Scholars of the fiqh, you know, are the fuqaha, the scholars of aqidah, you know, the ulama, the scholars of, of uh, Sufism, the awliya. And we need all three of them. Uh, there is no conflict between the three. Uh, there's people think there's a conflict, you know, ulama versus awliya versus fuqaha. There's no conflict, you know. Uh, all of them are required. We need our scholars of fiqh. We need our scholars of aqidah. We need our scholars uh, of tasawwuf, our awliya Allah. All of them are teaching a level of the deen, the beginner's level, the middle level, the highest level. And we require all of that to complete our deen. That was Jibreel. He came to teach you your deen. What is Islam? What is Iman? What is Ihsan? Now, we come to uh, the second level, which is Iman. And that is the level called uh, Aqidah. This level 
is what this course is going to be about, inshallah. What a Muslim should believe in. What should you believe in? And that also includes what you shouldn't believe in. It's very important for our aqidah to be correct. If you do not have the right aqidah, all your actions can be invalid. I mean, what makes Christianity or Judaism or Hinduism and these religions invalid? It's not because they drink wine or they eat pork, for example. There are Muslims who do that. Does it make them leave Islam? Does it mean they're going to hell forever? No. Uh, what makes uh, you know uh, them wrong? Is it because their women don't wear hijab or they don't pray towards Makkah? No. These things are not what makes these religions batil. What makes these religions other than Islam batil or invalid is the wrong aqidah. Is the wrong beliefs that they have about Allah and then about his prophets. And then our Prophet is the wrong belief they have. Uh, all of them believe in God. Which religion doesn't believe in God? They all, everybody believes in God. Christianity believes in God. But then what's the problem? Why are they wrong? Because they believe God is a father and a son and a Holy Spirit. And they made God into a man. They said Jesus was God, is God. God came in the flesh. So they believe that God can take a shape and appear as a human being and live and die. Now, this is it's a belief. So it is this wrong belief, this wrong aqidah that makes their religion invalid. That makes it necessary on us to call them to Islam. Uh, same thing about the Yahud, the Jews. Uh, they believe in Allah. The Jews believe in God. They believe in, in the one and the only. They don't worship idols and they don't believe God can come in the shape of a human being and whatever like that. But they deny the messengerhood of Isa alayhi salam and Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They deny Jesus and they deny Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Jesus said that even if you believe in Moses, uh, uh, your belief in Moses will not help you if you don't believe in me. He said that. It's in the Bible. <clears throat> he said to the Jews, your believing in Moses and the Torah is not going to help you if you don't believe in me. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, to the Jews and the Christians that, you know, if you believe in, uh, if you hear about me and you deny me, then your belief in Moses and Jesus is not going to help you unless you believe in me. Those who believe in Muhammad, the successful are those who believe in Muhammad and what was revealed before Muhammad as well. But they have to believe in the Prophet. So again, the problem with the Yahud is their aqidah. They don't believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi So therefore, <clears throat> it is very important for us to have the correct belief. The hadith of Jibreel mentioned Iman in, a, in, in very simple words. Uh, Iman is to believe in Allah, uh, believe in his angels, believe in his books, believe in his prophets, uh, believe in the last day and believe in destiny, good and bad. I mean, I, I said all of this in less than a minute. But... All of these, all six of these, six pillars of Iman, there's five pillars of Islam, six pillars of Iman require detailed explanations. Like when the Prophet says Iman is to believe in Allah. What does that mean? What's the meaning of believing in Allah? Who is Allah? Where is Allah? What is Allah? If I believe Allah is a man, does that mean I believe in Allah? If I believe Allah is a son, does that mean I believe in Allah? Uh, what exactly does believe in Allah mean? 
Now, the science of Aqidah explains that in detail. That's what we're going to be studying, inshallah. And it's all from the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet spent his life explaining the meaning of what it means to believe in Allah. Believe in his angels. What does that mean? The, the Kuffar of Makkah, they used to believe in angels. They used to think that the, the Christians used to believe that the angels are fairies, women that are flying with wings and babies. Is that acceptable to us? No. So what exactly does it mean to believe in angels? Uh, the Quran explains, the Hadith explains, and that's what we're going to talk about, inshallah. What does it mean to believe in the prophets? How many prophets? Who are the prophets? Can I believe in somebody in our time now as a prophet? Is that included in believing in Allah's prophets? No. So uh, what exactly does it mean to believe in the prophets? And what should I believe about the prophets? Do I believe they were gods? Do I believe they were ordinary men? What exactly is the correct belief about a prophet? This is what the science of Aqidah explains and explains in detail. Believe in the last day. When is the last day? What does it mean? Uh, what is the last day? What does it include? Jannah, Jahannam, what, where are they? Are they already there? So the science of Aqidah explains all of this in detail. And uh, we will, inshallah, be reading one of the basic but most uh, prominent and uh, beneficial texts in Aqidah. Uh, it's called Al-Aqidah Sanusiya, the Aqidah of uh, Imam Al-Sanusi. Of course, Imam Al-Sanusi was a great scholar. We'll talk about him again, inshallah, in detail who he was. And he wrote this text in Aqidah as uh, a beginner's text for Muslims to understand uh, their deen, their Aqidah, their Iman, what they should be believing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, particularly and his prophets, so that we're on the right track when it comes to our Aqidah. Uh, our actions are based on our Aqidah. If the Aqidah is correct, then we can do our good deeds and Allah will accept them. If our Aqidah is not correct, Allah will not accept our good deeds. So inshallah, we hope that with this brief introduction, uh, everybody you know, is now prepared for the actual text. Uh, and we hope inshallah uh, that it will benefit us and we can all uh, come out of this class uh, with more knowledge and more understanding and more appreciation of our deen and with our iman stronger inshallah. Uh, next week, we'll meet at the same time and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how the science of Aqidah developed in Islam and uh, some of the mazhabs in, in Aqidah as well and what's definitive and what's indefinite in Aqidah and then we can start with the text as well inshallah a little bit about the history of the text and the Imam al-Sanusi uh, uh, so that we appreciate whose words uh, we are going to be reading uh, shukran for your attendance Allah bless you all and bless us all Amin ya Rabbil Alameen Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Fatih lima ughlik wal khatim lima sabaq Nasir al-Haqqi bil-Haqq wal-Hadi ila suratika al-Mustaqim wa ala alihi haqqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al-Azim Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yassifun Assalamun ala al-Mursaleen Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh